Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? Uh, it's been a month. Yeah. It's been a nice, relaxing, quite relaxing month. A lot has happened. So apologies for, for not uh for not being relaxing on. But Jason's too busy, uh Jason's too busy being popular and living his life. Mm. It's a strong mm. word. Yeah. Popular? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a strong word. Yeah. I was in San Francisco though. I did that for a week. Something else happened the week before that, I don't remember. And then uh you know, Passover. Passover came in came in hard like a tornado this week, as Passover does, came in like the angel of death. Actually, wow. The Isn't angel of death the is Um, no, the angel of death shows up. That's the uh, last plague, death of the firstborn. Yeah, yikes! I don't know if it was an angel though. I don't think there's many angels in the Old Testament. I don't think so either. I think there's a lot of death and destruction, and a lot well, yeah, of yeah. The last, the last bread. plague, <laughs> the last plague is death of the unborn, who were spared from eating the bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right, because it kills the want- kills the pharaoh's firstborn son. Right. That's the whole. That's the whole gag. Yeah, that's what happens in uh, The Prince of Egypt. Never yeah. forget. Great movie. Yeah. Stand by it. One of the, one yeah, of the all-time get the, greats. Get the matzah. Get the matzahs and the... Uh, and uh, what else do you get during Passover? Oh, man. You get uh, harosit, uh, maror, and uh, parsley dipped in salt water. Oh. <laughs> all right. So, so how familiar are you with, um, with the Passover Seder? Not very familiar, to be honest. I, I've, I, I'm aware of what Passover is. I understand the story. I don't know about the the seder. I do know that it's like liberation foods, like foods of free people, kind of of like now reliving this... the day of of like what happened back then is all I remember. But I, I don't have any other specifics. That and matzo ball. So I, I find this fascinating. I find it fascinating that Gentiles, aka oh, wow. you people, you know, <laughs> your boy Jesus. Last Supper was a Passover mm-hmm. Seder. No, oh, I didn't know. And that. you guys care more about the time he got the shit kicked out of him afterwards than what the last meal was all about. I mean, sure, if you want to call the crucifixion the getting the <laughs> kicked out of you, but I don't. What do you mean, Mel Gibson made the movie about it? <laughs> he did. The Passion of the Christ was not him, you know, reading the four questions with his with his boys. It was uh, it was him getting the shit kicked out of him. So you tell me, how am I where? Where's the what is what's the thing that they say? Where's the, where's the lie? As the kids would say on Twitter. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus was sitting here celebrating the the this holiday, this liberation, and then and then he got whooped on the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I think more times to be spent. You guys should uh, should learn about the dinner. Anyway, there's a key component of the. <laughs> we dinner. do. It's called the Last Supper. We've got a beautiful painting. Right, I know, but it's just the painting. It's not like what was he eating? What was the significance? Who read the so questions it wasn't even that a good night? Meal. Like a lot of people think the Last <laughs> Supper is like this awesome, like elaborate no. meal of like turkey legs and turduckins and like Thanksgiving, right? Like that's what the no. image looks like. It's not matzo ball soup and parsley dipped in water. Yeah, I mean Jesus was turning he was turning water into wine, and he was making bread out of nothing. And then what he eats instead is this matzo ball soup. And then he like, man, that's a terrible Last Supper. I mean, it's a it's a painting of lies if you think about it. <laughs> I mean, who? Where were the kids running around? You know, who was that? Maybe that's what was wasn't pictured. The kids table, the kids which table? actually <laughs> left things kind of crazy. There's no yeah, there's no kids um, table. You know, where are the Haggadahs? You know, where the where the story is read out of? Where were those? 
they're not in the picture either. What I'm trying to say is this. There's a component to the to every Seder, which is the four questions, right? Do you, are you familiar with the four questions? No, I'm not. Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. You, Who not, is your daddy and what does he do? Is that two of the questions? <laughs> no. The four questions are, how is this night different from all other nights? On all other nights, we eat chametz or leavened food and matzah. Mm-hmm. Why is this night only matzah? First of all, they don't eat, nobody eats matzah on every other night. They only eat it because they have to on these nights. Yeah. Unless you're my, unless you're my late stepdad who did. I mean, I like matzah, but it, it, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a go-to. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> if you give me the choice between a matzah and anything else, I would eat. And that, a Ritz cracker? Would you and choose a Ritz exactly. cracker over a matzah? Ritz <laughs> Hell yeah. I got Ritz crackers. Let me tell you something. Little snack. You get a little teaspoon, right? Get a little peanut butter on that teaspoon. And by a little bit, I mean an excessive amount. And then you get like <laughs> three Ritz crackers and you perfectly, and then you, you know, you just scoop that up from that teaspoon. And then on the last one, when you got all that extra, oh my God, it's like 60% peanut butter and then 40% Ritz cracker. Perfect combo. I should, it's good stuff. I should buy some matzah. I've not had matzah since I lived no, in New York. You don't need to. Also, is that cultural appropriation? It doesn't matter. Third question. On all other <laughs> nights, we eat all vegetables. Why on this night, maror, bitter herbs? That's what I'm talking Oof. about. That's So maror, I guess, is the parsley with salt water. Oof. And then on all other nights, we don't dip even once. Why on this night do we dip twice? Ooh, dip, double dipping. <laughs> wait, there. yeah. Wait a minute. Hang on. There's one, two, three, four. Why do they write five questions here? Double dipping. Anyway, there's, do you, I guess, there's, I guess there's, a, there's a bonus question here. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this this bitter herb is rough on, reading about on all other thing. nights oh. we eat either sitting upright or reclining why on this night do we all recline i never heard that question before recline like in like in uh like barca loungers look man i don't know this is reading from <laughs> reformjudaism.com so it shows you oh. the kind of judaism we're talking we're talking hmm. liberal we're talking progressive jews <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so anyway um there's this whole song, like when you when you when you go through these questions, you can sing it in the song, and a lot of and and if you're familiar with, um, you know, I guess it's any sort of religious hymns, mm-hmm. they take their sweet ass time singing they these do. things, right? They like do. they and they repeat it a lot, and it's not particularly like a a good song. You're not going to hear it in a on the radio hmm. or a top forty. There's a reason why. There's a Christmas song channel in the in December and not a Passover song channel yeah. in April. Okay. This, there's reasons for this. And the purpose of this is the kids are the youngest kid is supposed to say the questions. Mm. You know, like this kid is generally inquisiting, you know? Yes. He's a young He's curious asking for Jew. the story to be told. Yes. This is how you get the Hey family, why is this night different from other other nights? Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, get young. Start them young. All right. That's how it works. We're doing the Seder. It's supposed to be for the kids. Mm-hmm. They try to get all these and there's a bunch of kids at the table now. Yeah. And there's um nowadays the Seder has become quite large because of the amount of kids. And uh allegedly a couple of them know it, but some of the parents, they were like, yeah, we're going to help you sing the questions. So it's kind of becomes this weird kind of murmur song of sorts, right. happening from the far end of the table. And the best line, and I, and I got to say, the best question that was asked during all this, because they start singing the song, some people start singing it, and then they they start trading, uh, trailing off. But we're about three yeah, questions it's like happy birthday, deep. right? 
like you sing the first happy birthday and then by the time you get to the the happy birthday dear whoever you're kind of you're kind of doing that well that that often happens when there are multiple names okay so the happy birthday thing this is a good tangent because there is the i've thought about this unless everybody is in agreement on how you say that person's name Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a chaos moment the most prolific of this is when it's an uncle Mm. or a grandparent and everybody says that person's name differently right <laughs> if there is so that's just listen for it um or it could even be like at a at, at a work thing right and you might have a nickname for somebody but then she the knows. other people don't exactly <laughs> a common a common work a common work nickname schnookums <laughs> we've all we've all heard it before sweet tits we've all heard it <laughs> So, oh, we're reading these in, questions uh, only only in Hollywood offices. Only in exactly. Um, yeah, definitely doesn't happen anywhere else. So, <laughs> they're going through these questions, and these things are lasting a really long time. It's really dreary. It's really long. It's almost encapsulating of a satyr itself. And then my my niece, who just turned five in March, right? So she, walking, talking. Mm-hmm. Niece. She she asked the best question. When does the song end? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the fifth question? <laughs> that is the fifth question and the most important question of all. And she had this look on her face like, what is happening? Why is this <laughs> happening? She doesn't go to Hebrew school. I don't no. know if she will go to Hebrew school, hmm. but she's not exposed to this kind of thing. And I guess she's now at the point where she's talking clearly audibly and there's just one of those moments and yeah it's just that was <laughs> to me that was the end of the questions but they kept going <laughs> they finished through they soldiered on and i'm like soon soon i think we're like 75 percent through this yeah did, did she ask you specifically or did she ask like the room well it was a very long table you know like it was it's one of those family setups where you have you know the dining room table and then you have like two additional tables added to extend the length of that table right and we were we were kind of at the end in the kids section um, so only a few of us were in earshot and it was the ones who weren't attempting to participate in the song that heard it. Cause it's not like she was projecting. She's still a child. And she said it more in a spirit of confusion. Like, yes, what is like, happening? like genuinely asking, when is it over? Not like, Ugh, when is this over? It was like, no, I'm genuinely curious. Are we done? <laughs> like, yeah, th- there's an innocence that children bring that turns into projecting in, and sarcastic disillusion disillusionist disillusionment that's not a word but you get my point yeah but you know as uh in that moment oh, similarly no, it is a word there you go in, in that moment similarly to how ariana DeBoss referred to jamie lee curtis my niece was all of us at that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what? Sometimes you need a five-year-old to tell you how it is. <laughs> yeah, it sure do. Speaking truth to power, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Speaking. <laughs> I don't really truth. know what that. I don't really know what that saying means, but it sounds like uh, there's I, a lot, I think there's that's a lot a, about that's speaking. Right speaking people's truth, right? Speaking your truth. So I guess if Chris, you Chris Cuomo truth, said it a lot, Chris it Cuomo puts power lot, into so right. If you speak it out loud, it becomes powerful. Words are powerful. Which I is thought it was about that, speaking yeah. truth to the powerful. 
Like, no, look, I thought it was speaking the truth deal. to to manifest its power by telling the truth. Right? There's power in truth. Telling the truth is a powerful thing. Oh, whoops! Hang on. That's, that's, that's my thought, at least. I don't know. It could Speak. be wrong, but that's that's the way I put it. Like, if you hold it inside, there's no power if you keep it a secret. You know, it becomes powerful when you use that truth as a as a shield out in the open. Here we go. Speak truth to power, meaning, origin. Stand up for what's right and tell people in charge what's what. No, oh, maybe it's you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. That's the idea behind the phrase speak truth to power, yeah. an expression from courageously confronting an authority, calling out injustices on their watch, and demanding change. So you know what? Yeah, I stand by it. She spoke you're truth right. to power. Yeah, <laughs> she spoke truth to power, going, We gotta stop doing this stuff. Yeah. Nice. Look at that. This specific this specific phrase, speak truth to power, is credited to Bayard Rustin in nineteen forty two. Rustin was a black Quaker and the and a leader in the civil rights movement, advocating nonviolent methods in his fight for social justice. Black Quaker. So like the Quaker Oats guy, but he was black. Uh, I don't think so. In a letter written that year, <laughs> Rustin stated that the primary social function of a religious society is to speak the truth to power. The truth is that war is wrong, end man, quote. Man, Quakers are still around, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I when you type in Quaker, you do get the Quaker oats, dude. I mean, yeah, you just I don't mean, hear the phrase black Quaker. <laughs> this is just... Yeah, there's no. some, uh, there's some there's some black people here in the Quakers, but when I it think just Quaker, I would not think that's uh twenty six celebrities who are Quakers. Do you want a list? Sure. I mean the actual definition, well, it's a member of the religious society of friends. Well, which okay. is a crazy name for a religious society. So this is interesting. I, this list is is interesting, actually. Okay, so they, very they uh, belong to a historical Protestant Christian set of denominate. I'm getting a definition so I could guess. Yeah. Denominations known as religious society of friends. Members of these movements are generally united by a belief in each human's ability, experiencing the light within or see that of God in everyone. Oh my God. Is um Kevin Sorbo in there? <laughs> I don't see Kevin Sorbo in this list. <laughs> okay. I gotta think of like religious dudes, but religious people who are more of like, you know, outspoken religious people. Uh man. But they they can't be like they're not really true believers, or maybe they are. No, I guess a true believer would be one who would just go along with it. Man, I don't even know. I don't know. Hit me with some names. All right. So I'm going to give you some names that aren't surprising, that if I told you this person was a Quaker, you'd go like, yeah, sure they are. Okay. Annie Oakley was a Quaker. Okay. Yeah. You're like, sure. Right? You hear Annie Oakley? You go, yeah, that was an old person. It's got to be a, gotta be a Quaker. Richard Nixon was a Quaker. Mm. His mother was a Quaker, and his father converted from Methodism to the Quaker faith. He was raised to follow the conservative practices of Quaker faith. So yeah, he was a Quaker. The Dame Judy Dench is a Quaker. I could see that. Again, we're talking right? about a lot You're of like, yeah, okay. Here. Like, I get it, right? All right, now for some surprising names. Kevin Bacon. Oh. Is a Quaker. Huh. I don't know if he practices the faith, but... He, that's his heritage. He's Quaker. All right. An active Quaker is Dave Matthews. Oh. I guess I could see that again. We're and talking Dave about a lot of white Matthews people. Dave Matthews was born in South Africa. I did not know that. <laughs> hmm. And I think the I most surprising, yeah. to me at least, although I'm, I'm assuming that this person does not practice being a Quaker, is Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that is interesting. All right. 
Wow, look at that. So there there's there's still Quakers among us. Huh. Uh, James Dean was a Quaker as well, but I'm like, yeah, he was born in the 30s. I can get that. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Well, interesting. Hey, man, look, I, I really, th- that's kind of the, uh, I mean, the Passover stuff, it's a Seder. It's back at the point where kids are getting old enough, they're trying to figure it out. That was just yeah. like one of the best Which moments. is interesting. And you know what? That was one of the I best think, Passover yeah. moments of all time. I think if they write a New Testament, like a new New Testament, that should probably go in there. That's a fifth question. That's I'm trying to I say. mean, I think a lot of people learn about Passover from the Rugrats, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a Passover great. Passover special, right? That's right. Yeah. That's that's what I remember. <laughs> it was like, yeah, Rugrats had a Passover special. Yeah, that's he invented cool. matzah because he forgot to put the uh, he forgot to put the yeast in the bread, and then he's like, yeah. "That's okay, you invented matzah. That's such a good yeah. line." <laughs> yeah, it's much more gripping. And I I will say though, the best telling of Passover, which is you know I don't know how accurate it is the song and dance, but you want to talk about the opposite of really boring and dreary um, Jewish songs, Prince of Egypt. I do highly recommend that movie it's just a good ass movie and the cast is incredible yeah it is a good uh, movie. i mean you got you know you got uh what's his name um shit uh, i mean jeff goldblum's in it val kilmer is moses i didn't even have to look that up i just knew it off the top <laughs> of my head you, you want right? to know what's not a good passover movie uh the ten commandments no that's not passover yes it exodus is. gods and kings <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a bad uh, bad movie, and that's and that's recent. That's a recent movie. That's a Christian Bale joint. <laughs> it's not good. And Ben Kingsley, who, who shows up, um, yeah, that's a uh, Ridley. Good. That's a Ridley Scott joint. the The problem, the worst thing about that movie is that's the movie that's dedicated to his late brother. Yeah, Ooh. it Yikes. sucks that that is. Yeah. Oh my God! Here's the cast of of the Prince of Egypt: Val Kilmer, Rafe Fiennes. Voldemort himself playing Ramesses, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff wow. Goldblum, Danny Glover, <laughs> Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren, Steve Martin, Martin wow. Short. That's a heck of a list. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> nuts. Wow. I don't know who these other people are, are but that's what more do you need? <laughs> I mean, it's that's got everybody 10, in there. That's 10 A-listers. I don't know if Martin Short's an A-lister these days or Steve Martin. He was at, at some point, point though. At one point, when this movie came out in the '90s, yeah, at at some point, all of these people you could argue were A list stars. At some point, even if it was only for a couple of months, they were all A list stars. Every single one of them, at some point, that you just named. Yeah, who voiced God? Doesn't say. <laughs> See, not in here. No, Morgan Freeman's not in here. Kilmer. Um. Val Kilmer. No. Also provides Moses. the uncredited voice of Oh, God. right. Yeah. Which is an interesting take because there is that like theory, I think, that, you know, the burning bush, it was like a burning, it was like he was just getting high or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was burning bush, all right. Yeah, exactly. So what he actually heard was more of like the voices in his head, allegedly. I don't I don't know. But hey man, it's it's possible. Um but I, I, that movie's great. Great songs, great soundtrack. And, I mean, the music's uh, it's, by it's Hans musical. Zimmer. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it, it is a murderer's row. This movie. You've got Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Yeah, well, vocal. that's the thing. None of none of these characters <laughs> do the singing voice. Like Jeff Goldblum is not singing, but his no. character sings. Man, this movie. Same made thing. Val Kilmer. The budget was seventy million, and I'd argue that seventy million went into the cast. Where now you see yeah. 70 million, you're like, all right, you know, they're at least spending half of it on visual effects, right? 
too expensive good, production. Though. 70 million for this was definitely like at least 50 of it was for the cast. At least. Yeah. Great movie. You know, maybe I but should yeah. watch that for uh, made like, his money you... back. 218 million. Very popular movie. It, I mean, and the animation was great as well. It's a good looking movie. It's crazy. They haven't made a sequel yet. Yeah. Won an Academy Award for uh, best original song. Worth it. Which song? Uh, when you believe. Oh, yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, it was also nominated for many Annie's and didn't win. Well, it was robbed. So I can say that. I can say that I've won more Annie's than the Prince of Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) 76 minutes. That's that's about the amount of time you want to spend in a movie like this, too. Yeah. Don't dwell on it. Brevity. You think. um, Oh, it lost the Iron Giant. You know what? Oh, fair enough. Ooh. Wow, that was a great that was a great year for animated films in 1999. The 27th annual Annie Awards Best Animated Feature was The Iron Giant, Prince of Egypt, The A Bug's Life, Tarzan, and South Park: Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Damn, all of that in the same year. Same year. That's that's a Holy pretty good year for animated shit. features. That's a strong year, right? Wow. <laughs> Oh my God. Versus, Hit me with that list again. Hang on, hang on. Say it one more time. <laughs> All right. The Iron Giant. Yeah. The Prince of Egypt. Uh huh. A Bug's Life. Yeah. Okay. Tarzan. It, yeah. Okay. And South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Holy shit. You talk about a crazy year where the two weakest animated movies are Disney. I mean, now Disney, Bugs Life is Disney, but oh my God, yeah, I'd argue that both of those are easily and, and, and that's a, and fourth that's a and Pix- fifth place. And that's a Pixar movie, A Bugs Life as well. Yeah. Like that's at the height of Pixar. That's like a couple years after Toy Story. Like, yeah, like that's that, that was Pixar's next big film, I believe. And I'd argue all three of those other movies are better. Like it's not yeah. even close. The Iron Giant's a great movie. That movie's awesome. Totally. Yeah. And I'd say South Park actually is the best movie of those five. <laughs> I have, again, I'm it's, not a South Park fan, but I I believe it. I believe that someone. Would, have you seen the yeah. movie? I've not. I've not seen any South Park. It's not my. It's not. It's my a, if, okay. Well, you know, it's a musical, right? I don't know. I didn't know it was a musical. No. Yeah, the no South idea. Park movie is a musical, and it's an amazing musical, and it's just an amazing movie. You should watch that movie. <laughs> now, I I do want to read quickly before we move on. 1992, right, is the first year that the Annie Awards. I guess this is the twentieth. This is when they had the first anim- best animated feature at the Annie Awards. Mm-hmm. There's only three in this category. Beauty and the Beast, which won. Burn Gully, The Last Rainforest. Okay. And Bebe's Kids. I don't know what that is. What is that? You don't know what Bebe's Kids is. Wow. There's people screaming over this podcast right now the fact that you don't know what Bebe's Kids is. Bebe's wow. Kids is one of the greatest it animated like, It looks like I wasn't the targeted demo. I'm looking at the cast. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think I was in the target demographic of this, and I don't think my mom knew what this was when I was four when this Tone, thing came out. Tone Loke played the baby. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's great. You should watch this movie. This movie is okay, amazing. I have. I've, I've, I recognize this character, the dad, I think. I recognize Bebe's him. Kids is one of the greatest animated films of all time. Yeah? <laughs> it's great great should watch baby's kids is great the premise if i can remember the premise oh it's also basically it's basically this man is trying to date this woman and she's got three bad kids baby's kids oh Oh. (laughs) 
so that's the the plot is that he's trying to he's trying to approach this woman that he met at a funeral <laughs> and she's got bad what? kids she's got she's got a trio of neglected traunt violent children and the offspring of her absentee hedonistic friend Bebe. This is crazy. I never never knew. So and, and they travel kids. to a this theme is definitely park. not for kids. It's an it's adult great. anime. No, it's not, for, not kids. for kids. It's a great I anime. You just said, okay. And the fact that it was an, and the fact that it was uh, animated for it was nominated for for an Annie Award is hilarious. <laughs> and this movie is great. So yes, you should watch. Go watch Baby. If you've not watched Baby's Kids before, they made a go game watch for Baby's Kids. That's why I game. know what this. That's why I know what this is because I've probably seen this game before. Yeah, they made a game called for Baby's Kids. That's probably why I've seen that dude before. It's great. It was like a beat 'em up. Konami pub. Oh my god. Baby's kids is it's a it's a classic. Oh no, sorry. Paramount Interaction Motown games. Mandingo Entertainment. Jesus. <laughs> hey, this is back in the day when there was when they when we weren't so accepting of, of black content <laughs> as a right. as a as an everybody. As before everyone started ripping off of uh, African American culture, there was films like Baby's Kids that still made eight point four million in the box office. This is like the precursor to Don't Be a Menace. Again, this is all this is like the genre of post black exploitation film was stuff like Bebe's Kids. Bebe's Kids is great. So if you haven't seen well, Don't it, Don't Be a Menace, that it. woman had like how many kids is she? <laughs> she a lot of kids. Like, yeah. So again, it's it's a lot of like black exploitation films, but we've we've come a long way, but Bebe's Kids is a classic that needs to be recognized. So yeah, I just I saw that on the list of any winners and nominees. So uh shout out to Bebe's Kids and rest in peace Robert Harris. Or Robin yeah, rest Harris. In peace, sorry. Rest rest in peace. Died in sure. 1990. Died a long time ago. Died before Wait, the movie came out. Yeah, what the hell? That's yeah. sad. Yeah, but again, came out two was, years it was, later? It was, one of his, it was part of his comedy sketch. was about baby. Oh, kid. I see. Yeah, so he's a comedian. And then, and then you so know, the, adapted, I, I think Faison Love did the voice because mm. they were trying to like get this movie made and then he died. But yeah, Tone Loke's the baby. That's all you need to know. Damn. That's pretty wild stuff. Tone you know, Loke has had quite an animated film career. He also played that that uh he also played what's his name? Sea Bear. Sea Bear and Jamal. It's another classic black cartoon from the when did that when did that cartoon come out? That had to be what in the That had to be the late nineties. Sea Bear and Jamal. Nineteen ninety six. Look at this. I'm teaching you something today. Great. <laughs> he played the bear. He played the played an animated stuffed bear. It's great. It's funny when I look up uh Sea Bear and Jamal, the other one that comes up. These are the uh I know two out of so there's the uh the Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin, Little Charlie Bear, I don't know what that is, and then Bobby's World, I knew what that was, and Doug, I knew what that was. So there you <laughs> go. There was like those are the white people versions of these things. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like talking stuffed animals. So instead, you know, and I'm I'm assuming, right, Ted. Dude, Sea Bear yeah. looks cool as shit. This guy's yeah, walking Bear around was... with his like this is uh with his dope hat and sunglasses and his otherwise pants are unbuttoned. That's concerning. Well, but, yeah. I, I think I feel I think like the problem I've seen as well is that is that Tone Loke was a was a member of the, oh. of, the of the Crips gang, and so that's what Sea Bear is, I think. <laughs> I've seen Sea Bear and Jamal because I recognize this kid with the the bald kid. I've definitely yes. stumbled upon this show at yeah, some see, point. Again, you you you're aware of of the black animated cartoon culture. Well, yeah, I'm woke. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you know, in the good in the good definition, not in the not in the Fox News. Everything everything that's woke is bad. Yeah. So if you've you not seen some of this content, 
get familiar. It's great. Okay. Just, just like the, the PJs, right? That's another one. It's not a classic. Sure. Should I watch this with my niece and nephew? <laughs> I think Seabury and Jamal is fine to watch. I think it's. I think that's more of a cartoon than uh, than uh, Bebe's kids was. Bebe's, Bebe's kids, kids was not, not a so much. No. Okay. But Seabury and Jamal, Seabury was cool. All right. It's the hip hop teddy bear who raps. That's what it says in the uh, in the Wikipedia. <laughs> I love I love like formal explanations of ridiculous shit. An orange hip hop teddy bear who raps. Yeah, it it centers on an elementary school aged boy named Jamal, whose constant companion was Sea Bear, an orange (laughs) hip hop teddy bear who raps. And then then the character in the character description, Sea Bear is a wise rapping teddy bear with a hip hop look. He comes back to life when Jamal is around and is always ready to give him advice. He has the power to. Tape, tape with Jamal on wacky adventures. It's like the original Jamal Rick and Morty. It's like the original magical. He was like the magical school bus, but a bear. Yeah, and then I think my favorite thing is Big Chill, played by Ari Spears, Jamal's fat friend, <laughs> <laughs> who's always hungry. It sounds like he has a cold. Who is the bald guy? Yeah, here we go. Kwame. Kwame. Jamal, Jamal's best friend, who is dressed in African clothes and believes in power to the people and often calls things conspiracies by the man when he is displeased. I love this. <laughs> oh, man. Get Dude, I love great. this. It's great. 90, it's, it's only it's great two animated seasons. Content. It's great. <laughs> the, first, the first season was only three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's tone looks like I'm only doing three, guys. That's it. And then he came back for 10. 10 for yeah. uh season two. Yeah, so it's got a so it's got a good 13, 13 episode run. Yeah. Oh my god. I love it. So that. yeah, if the, you want if you guy. want obscure black animation, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, we're talking a lot about movies, we're talking a lot about TV shows. I'm gonna throw an audible and I want to start talking about some movies because I saw some. Let's do it. I, Let's I do it. Let, you know what? It's Easter. We don't need to get into the news. You guys have all watched the news. It's been a month, right? A lot of stuff yeah. has happened. We don't need to repeat all the awful stuff in the world. Let's talk about some exactly. content. Yeah. Look, I I saw the Mario movie. <laughs> oh, you have? I've heard nothing but great reviews about this thing. So we're we're talking about kids' things. I think it's a natural transition, right? Here's how I feel about the Mario movie. I mm-hmm. saw it on Wednesday. All right. I had a Seder. I had a grueling Seder. Oh, right, grueling. No, it was fine. It was a Seder. That's one I talked about earlier. Then I went with my cousin. <laughs> we went to go see it right after. And then I played a hockey game at 1130. It was great. Mm. Great night. Yikes. Um, actually, sidebar. Friday, I played a hockey game. All right. We lost 7-7. Uh, sorry, sorry. We didn't lose. We, uh, we went into overtime. 7-7, lost mm-hmm. in a shootout. 7-7. <laughs> we were up. We scored a go-ahead goal to make it 7-6 within... Uh, with one minute left in the game, they scored literally 10 seconds later. Oof. Is there a worse? <laughs> Rough. Yeah. Oh, my God. Talk about a game of attrition. It was brutal. Oof. Anyway, I played great. Seven, look, when there's a when there's a seven when there's seven goals scored against and you're on, only on the ice for one of them and I'm playing D, that's that's a win for me. That's a personal victory. It's not a victory for the team, but it's a victory for me. Little victories. That's how I get by in life. Okay. Got to keep your head up. All right. Mario movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mario movie is a bad movie. 
Really? I'm going to wow. say that straight up, okay? Huh. I'm not going to I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. This movie is bad. <laughs> like huh. it is it is but but as a Mario movie, <laughs> hmm, it is it is great because it is a it is basically just here's a bunch of shit on film everything you know the soundtrack makes it 80 is like 80 percent of the reason why it works because Mm -hmm. it weaves in like all of the mario hymns that you know it is excellent when the original definition of is it the definition of fan service yes that is this movie it is like Look at that. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. Oh my God. That's that. That's that. That's that. Look, that's he's, that. The, he's the weird Japanese raccoon that no one knows is actually like a Tanuchi, which is what yeah. Tom Nook is. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. When you, and when you look at it in a sense of, well, it's Mario. So of course this was the way to do it right. It makes perfect sense. Mario himself is not really a character. <laughs> no, there is no characterization to this man, you no. know? Cause you know, Luigi, who he is, because you know who he is. Like, you don't need to give Do exposition you? and backstory. Not in, no, but that's the thing. There's no stories in these games. The people who have characters in the game. Luigi has character in Luigi's Mansion because he's just a scared dude looking for his brother. And <laughs> then he haunted. has some sort of interaction. Yeah, he's just like, he's just this big scaredy cat guy. Then you got, um, I guess, Peach has some character. I don't know. And then Bowser probably has the most character in all the games because the whole driving force of all the games is what shit is Bowser up to? Oh, yeah, he's why doing is he this doing thing this to stuff, kidnap right? the princess. Mario's, yeah, that's, Mario's Mar- exposition is he's a plumber. Yeah. He's got a job. Can, exactly. So that's that's the character. And, the fa- and that is perfectly translated to this movie because they're not really characters things just kind of happen there's no pacing there's no flow there's there's zero explanation it is a kids movie yes that has almost zero respect for for storytelling or pacing (laughs) or anything like that it does things just kind of happen and they almost lean into the fact that things are just happening because there's literally a scene in the movie where peach is like hey you gotta do this thing and then there's a whole sequence where he tries to do the thing. He doesn't do the thing. And she's like, all right, let's go. He's like, but I didn't do it. She's like, whatever, we got to go. And they go. So that's kind of the, the kind of the that That's kind of like a, uh, you know, what encapsulates the entire pacing and things that happen in the movie. It's just like, we got to do this thing. Therefore, just to show you the next interesting thing. So then it's going to happen regardless of any explanation. And other than that, you know, the, the Peach character is fun. Jack Black as Bowser is fun. I actually thought uh, Chris Pratt as Mario was actually pretty good. But yeah. the did you recognize it was him? Because that was everyone's complaint, right? Of a like, little bit. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it's Chris Pratt trying to be Mario. I'm like, well, that's exactly what it is. But it's can not you disguise his voice enough. Yeah, it's not. It's not as bad as people thought it would be. Versus like a, Seth Rogen, who I'm like, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong sounded like Seth Rogen being Donkey mm-hmm. Kong, right? Because he's he didn't change his voice at all. Seth yeah. Rogen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the uh, exactly. But it works. I think that worked. Um, Bowser, uh, Jack Black being Bowser was great. Um, the the um, of course he's going to sing a song because yes, it's Jack Black because it's Jack Black. So so when he did, it was it was hilarious. A lot of the jokes do land. Like the movie's very funny. It's fun. 
It's stupid. Like, I, I can't emphasize the fact that this movie is just bad, but I still very much enjoyed the movie and recommend it to anyone who's any even a slight fan of Mario because you're going to love this thing. Seven out of ten. That's what I say this movie now, is. Now, my question is, do they call him Mario or Mario in the movie? Oh, they call him Mario because that's the, that is how you say the name. I get yes. it. It's just hard for me as someone who is <laughs> Lives from in New, York. New York. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and yeah, the, look, it, it's just like, I get it. This is what it is. The, the thing kind of sets up the dominoes for a wider spectrum of Nintendo movies. Oh, which, are we getting a universe? Oh, we totally. the, are we getting the Nintendo verse? Oh, yeah. I mean, not only is Donkey Kong in this movie, there's a shit ton of Kongs in this movie. They got all the Kongs with the exception of Diddy like, Kong? that the um that like Lady Kong with like the big boobs. What's her name? I think it's like uh <laughs> the hell is her name? It's is it Candy Kong? That's no way. It can't I, be I just it know is. Diddy. I know Donkey and Diddy. And what's yeah, the ape? Look up, look up, do a quick uh, what's, no, not wait, the ape. Stop. What's the what's the grandpa? Who? What's grandpa ape's name? He's got a Cranky name, Kong. Right? There he is, Cranky. Yeah, he's in there in a questionable voiceover. <laughs> look up uh look up Candy Kong. <laughs> Who is wait what do you mean by questionable voiceover? Is it a known name of who the voice is? No, it's like it's uh oh. I think it's Fred Armisen or something, but he's okay. doing like a very like old Jewish grandfather type thing. Oh, it's you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I wow, guess you can't fight my... is what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what in the what is this? <laughs> wow. This is a lot. <laughs> you know what? W- women have a point when they talk about video games. This is ridiculous, <laughs> right? Because Donkey Kong is just kind of a a a a, a, a ape with a tie. Yeah. And then Candy Kong is like she's got jean shorts on. She's got a white shirt with a halter top, low cut. She's got these earrings. She looks like she belongs in the Bronx. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Here's a quote from DK Wiki. DK's sweetheart since early ape childhood and possible future wife. Though Candy Kong takes this undying adoration in her stride, hoping he'll overcome his endless enthusiasm for adventure and general lack of table manners before even attempting to settle down. But she does have a great deal of affection for DK and his whole family, particularly Diddy, and even on occasion, miserable old Cranky, who no doubt has some choice comments to make about her dress sense when she's not around. (laughs) Wow. She ran. Okay. So Candy ran the save points in the original Donkey Kong Country before Wrinkly opened the doors of Kong College to the public, leaving her to return to a to far more worthwhile pastimes like shopping and all day sunbathing. Wow. <laughs> that was wow. from the Donkey Kong trilogy cast list. Yeah, man. Um, that's just a little bit about Candy Kong. Yeah, there's a so lot yeah, of she's, Kongs. She's, You're right. She's not in this movie, but there are like all of the other Kongs from the Super Nintendo versions. Like the like, um, they they basically show up as like ever so slightly, and then they incorporate stuff from like Mario Kart and they and there's a lot of yeah, old yeah. Uh, yeah. Seen the Mario Kart but, thing? That's like the whole Rainbow Road thing in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, but the movie is like, like I said, it's not, it's not well paced. Like, thank God it's only, you know, I made the comment about Prince of Egypt being 72 minutes, which is awesome. This is 90 minutes. If it was any longer, it would be probably, <laughs> I see the thing is they could probably give you more, like they could pace better, but I don't know if it would make that a better movie. I mean, maybe it would, but I feel like it, it would have been too much at that point, but you could see the love that goes into it. And that's the, 
Yeah. That's the fun part. Because this that's is an Illumination film, right? This is the It's Illumination, yeah. yeah. I've never actually seen an entire Illuminations movie other than this and they the original Sing. So I don't know how those movies are paced. There is a... The other problem with the movie is the licensed soundtrack is completely unnecessary hmm. because the because the actual soundtrack, the original score is incredible. It's excellent. The way they bring in all the classic songs and like that, you're like, oh my God, you just get giddy every time that shows up. And it's really great when they use it. And it's a lot better than something like an Uncharted, that movie, which I thought was fine. I mean, Uncharted is a better movie than this, if you just take it at face value. But they, I think they missed the mark when they could have incorporated the actual theme of Uncharted, which is great, until a once, like a three-second stinger when he equips his guns. And you're like, really? That's that's what you thought? Okay, fair enough. But here, it's like all throughout the little things, the, the set dressings, the amount of... Uh, people are going to be dissecting and finding shit in this thing for months. I mean, so it's it sounds like insane. it was a good movie. Sounds like it serves its, a, its purpose. It's a fun time. It's a bad movie. If you don't care about Mario, this is a you will hate. But why this would movie. you see this movie anyways if you don't care? about I don't know. Mario? That's my point of like I think it does exactly what it should. It's like all right, if you played the game before, yes, okay, then you'll probably like the movie. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea what this is, you're not going to see it anyways, and it's not for you. I think that's again. I think this seems like this is a good movie. It feels like you're. You're putting general movie principles to something that's like we totally exist to build this universe for people who are aware of what this is. Yeah, I suppose. I don't think you needed the I think if you got rid of the Donkey Kong stuff and focused on making it solely focused on the Mario stuff, you would actually have a lot more to work with. And actually, like if you're going to create a movie, you need I think you need to have characters in the movie like you know, we could debate the merits of Aquaman on whether or not it's a it's a great movie or the greatest movie, right? But that reason why that's so good is because the character's fun and he's like actually the focus of the thing. Mario is just there in this movie. He has nothing to do with whether this movie works or not. And he's in the title. <laughs> yeah. Like there your core central character is supposed to be this hero. And you don't give a shit about him. You care more about you care more about Peach. Like Peach is the real star of this movie. Also, as pretty as all the animation is, I need you to see this movie because Peach looks fucking weird, and nobody's talking about it. Her face looks weird. Everything, just the her face is just very is bizarre. It different from the, is it different movie. from the trailer? It's kind of similar to what's in the trailer. Yeah, but as it was in the movie, I just was always distracted by how weird it looked. Well, is isn't who's who plays Peach? Isn't it Anna Taylor Joy? And yeah. Anna Joy Taylor, whatever her name is, right? Anya, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's yeah. got a, she's got a very recognizable, striking face, so it could be a little. But it's bit not of that, rendered right? after her. But I guess my point is, you her. put a little bit of her into it, right? No, like you tend to do that Chris when you're making Pratt. animated films. You put a little bit of the character, you know, of the person doing the voice into the character. It's not. It's just weird looking. I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah, like here. I mean, Mario's got a little bit of a. Got a little bit of a, a Chris Pratt face. I think it was a stretch. Very slightly. I, I'm sure someone, when they did this, they took the face of the person that was doing the voice acting, and there's probably a couple of turntables of them trying to get it where it looks like Peach, but a little different. But yeah, her face is very round in this, but it's very pointy at the end. Yeah, I mean, it just it looks like Peach though. It's it's just odd. It doesn't it doesn't seem to fit. Like I was honestly distracted. But her character is the best character yeah. in the. In the movie, but again, everything about her seemed to be 
the more heroic side of things. And that's what was really going on. Again, the, it's a Mario movie. You get, yeah. you get exactly what you expect going in. And I think that it's at the right time where there's enough people who grew up with this stuff. And yes. I mean, the thing has been around since the eighties. So, I mean, that's my point. I think you got enough. Well, it's interesting, right? Because you have enough people who were, who are of this age, let's say people who were born in the 60s and 70s at the oldest, right, who are really aware of what this is as, as a major group, who have kids who probably know what this is, right? You got kids who are maybe just entering their 20s, maybe early 30s at the youngest. And then some of them have kids as well who are aware of Mario Kart and aware of the Nintendo Switch games and stuff. So yeah, I think it's it's kind of like Star Wars in a way. It's got a pretty good crossover range of generations who are aware of different parts of Mario. Where there's, I'm sure there's some kid who doesn't really know who Donkey Kong is other than than Mario Kart. But there's people like us who are like, oh yeah, you remember that weird Super Nintendo game where they had, you know, they had old Cranky Kong. So yeah, <laughs> makes sense. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, like I said, I think if you're if you're a fan of Mario, you have to see the movie. All right. Despite well, go, all the I'll criticism I gave, but just understand that. It's, it's like the shallowest <laughs> of shallow yeah. right. nonsense. Popcorn, it's candy. Exactly. Exactly. Like candy. candy Kong. Like Candy yeah, Kong. There you go. Your new favorite Kong. <laughs> Christ. You're welcome. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 But I saw that. Um, I don't think I saw any other movies. I did see. Um, I have been watching the new season of Ted Lasso. I have as well. It's good. And love it. Just every time. Every time I watch I, that show, I just it feels I'll like a warm hug. Though. I'm happy that this is the final season. I agree. Because they are reaching. I hope they stick to it. Yeah. They're they're reaching the point where it's a little bit of the same, not complaining, but just there's a lot of similarities of all the other ones. And plus the episodes are longer, right? I started rewatching the first season again because the first season's almost perfect. It's really good. Yeah. And they're like 30 minutes. Well, now every episode's like 45, 48 minutes. They're long, right? And Yeah. I get it that it's now more of a thing and you're trying to develop other characters. So the extra 15 minutes is probably needed if you want to do more than just look at what Ted's doing and wrap it up. Yeah. And wrap it up. But I do think that it's getting a little long and three is going to be perfect. That's a perfect number to end this thing on and just wrap it up and be done. Yeah, I agree. I, I just like that. And you're right. The formula is the same, but it's the only show seemingly that at least that I, I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but it is. I do like that the formula they have always leaves you feeling a bit happy at the end of every episode. Like you don't. It's not like oh my god, here's some crazy twist. Oh god, what's going to happen next episode? Like you're not you're not strung along to the next episode because you're like oh my god, they left me on this crazy cliffhanger. Yeah, no, it's like there are those looming conflicts. But yes. they always try to end it at a point of positivity, which I love. Yeah. And, I, and you, always, the, you always feel good. That's what makes Ted Lasso great, is that it is. It's in, it's inherently a positive show talking about real issues, right? Which is good. Like, it's not like, you know, some shows where it's just like, oh, you know, this guy's got depression, but he's a mess. It's like, he's got depression, but he's kind of, you know, he's working through it. And he's you see him progressively work through this over the season. So it's good. Yeah, Ted Lasso's a great show. Yeah, I'm watching that. So. Yep, keeping up with that. Keeping up with uh, Mandalorian, which is uh, I've been watching the Mandalorian know. as well. I've been watching a lot of content now that I got free time. <laughs> wow, great! So I've, well, Mandalorian, I've got quite the list of stuff to talk about. 
So what do you what do you think of uh, the season of the Mandalorian? I mean, the monster of the week stuff is still there, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of something we've talked about before. Look, I, I never really disliked the Mandalorian. I thought the Mandalorian was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know I'm more just turned off when they don't build more Star Wars universe because Star Wars is such a monstrous universe, but we keep bringing back the Skywalkers. Yeah. Um, I I liked it so far. The episode with the bird not to spoil anything was a little was a little like okay fine but it's monster <laughs> of the week stuff so like i don't and i'm a little confused at some of the points because i'm you know you drift a little bit like what's going on with the woman she's become more of a main character because we kicked out gina carano she's gone so yeah. it's it's yeah it's fine i watch it but it's not like i'm i'm not it's not a cliffhanger for me it's not like i'm sitting here on the edge of my seat um yeah. i i've i have felt like the like the actual space battles the ship battle stuff has been really good. And yeah. personally, I like the fact that Star Wars is starting to realize that this is this is something that they that's like the best part of this universe is the the actual like the dog fights. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the what makes Star Wars value, awesome. It's great. <laughs> so more of the that. production values in this season have seemingly been jacked yeah, up to great. another level. So I think I was a little bit worried about the dissonance when getting off of Andor which was so good and was basically like a movie and, or I mean more like three movies and then going back to Mandalorian and thinking, Oh, it's going to be like going back to a, going to a CW show or something. Yeah. Cause exactly. in my mind, that's kind of the production it's been. And then you start off with that dope ass, um, dog fighting sequence with the, yeah, it's great. with the pirates. And then they escalate it again in later episodes. And yeah, there's a lot of cool shit. Um, there's, there's some weirdness, obviously like that, that whole side story on, Coruscant with that lady and the yeah. doctor. I'm like, what weird. was what was the point of that? <laughs> that was more jarring than in than when there was like two Mandalorian episodes inside Boba Fett <laughs> for some reason. And that was that was strange. And seemingly we'll set up some other stuff. But yeah, you know, I I'm digging it. Again, I I kind of look at I've said this before, it's Star Wars shows at this point are just the next episode of the Star Wars show. Yeah. And I feel like I might be missing some stuff if I don't watch the animated things, which are, which is concerning. I don't know if it matters. I don't want to, but um, I don't want to either. I'm enjoying I, I, it. Yeah. I've got the access to it. I tried. I'm not interested. Just like they're making, right. I just saw the trailer for, what is it? Ahsoka. At Ahsoka, which has got yep. Rosario Dawson, right? Is that who's in it? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's great. Looks good. And everything. Mm-hmm. And like, fine. Okay. Like you said, it's the, it's another episode of the Star Wars show. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. Like it's just hey, let's take the stuff we can't put in movies and make side things of it. But like I don't need to really pay attention to the lore. I just watch it and go, "Oh, look, there's a lightsaber. Oh, look, there's a space battle. Oh, look, there's Baby Yoda." And you're done. That's how I feel about this stuff at this point personally. Yeah, it's it's a soap opera and yeah, it's fine. That's cool. I'm here for it. And it sounds like they're going to shift and make you know, you'll continue along with the Star Wars show, as yeah. we'll call it. And, and look, then I'll be honest, I'm kind of happy yep. that that like it's not so like I felt like the Baby Yoda stuff caught them by surprise. Yeah. And so season two was a lot of like, let's just keep doing Baby Yoda things where I feel like that still exists a little bit. But he's kind of just like he's coming. He's becoming Jar Jar a little bit. <laughs> just Jar Jar that everyone there. likes. He's just there and he's doing like yeah. he's doing weird like force stuff. Like the last episode, like spoiler alert, if you really care about the Mandalorian, just hit hit like fast forward for 30 seconds. 
like when you get Jack Black and Lizzo to be in the Mandalorian, <laughs> like it's just like okay, fine. Yeah. Like you said, it's just the Star Wars show. Let's get Jack Black mm-hmm. to play this guy for five minutes, and we're good. See Tim Meadow. <laughs> yes, I saw Tim Meadows. They 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 found Tim Meadows and brought him back out. It was great. <laughs> get out of here, Mando. You don't want no part of this shit. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, anyways, yeah, that's yeah. I'm watching the Mandalorian as well. I'm watching. Yeah, that's good. I'm, yeah, I've watched a few other things. You want me to stay on TV, or you want me to move to movies? Uh, I'll just say the one thing about Star Wars yep. is that they did all these announcements, and it sounds like the movies are going to be more of these event things now, which is good. Yeah. Like treat those as more of your tentpole pieces. Yeah. I'm still bummed that Andor wasn't just like a three movie event, but I get it. You do what you got to do, yeah. and yeah, it's. Um, but it sounds like they're finally. I think they're starting to find a groove with Star Wars. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of the writing that's happening in this in these TV shows that ultimately tries to make sense of what they do with the movies. And, you know, it's like uh, one of my favorite lines from Ocean's 13 where uh, <laughs> where uh, what's his name? Uh, God damn it. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The bad guy. God damn it. Al Pacino. There you go. He's just like two people are arguing and he's like, you two need to get in a room <laughs> like that's because they can't agree on a thing. And it's like these guys just need to get in the room with the movies guys and figure it out and make sure that they're talking to each other and on the same page because there's going to be a whole lot of stuff that's happening in the TV shows. that's going to rationalize all the nonsense that happens in the new trilogy hmm. and it'll eventually make sense in some ridiculous fashion. But I feel like now that I, I I'm hopeful that they're starting to get into a groove now. And by making these movies like more their, you know, these larger punctuation points of the overall stories, it doesn't have to try to string together some arbitrary trilogy. It's like, okay, so now what's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. Why did he do all that shit in the last movie? I don't know. Nobody liked it. Oh my God. Now we got to fix it. It's like, no, they could actually create a cohesive plot. So I'm kind of excited to see what happens next. I'm on board. And and with this game coming out, I loved the first uh, Star Wars Jedi game that Respawn did. Like Jedi, um, what the hell, Fallen Order is an incredible game. Like I just reinstalled it today, actually, because I want to replay it before the second one comes out because I like the first one so much. Yes. And yes, yeah, it's great. The Star Wars games are just like they it's it's hard because they get like they get such mixed reviews. This one's good. Yeah, but I I'm feel like I, like the Battlefront games were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then everyone's like, mm, it's full of bugs and it's awful. So it's just hard to know. Battlefront, like, 2, Battlefront 2 is a great game. It got dragged because of the microtransactions. Um, yeah, which the first is, one was dragged is, because it didn't have enough yeah. content. The But yeah. Fallen Order is unanimously considered to be a great game. It's like a yeah. Metroidvania meets light. Dark Souls style Star Wars game. It's just an incredible game. It's but again, great. like one of the one of the one of the best games, in my opinion, one of the best games ever is Knights of the Old Republic. Sure, those games are great from a Star Wars story point, from a gameplay point. Those games are really fun. Yep. But like it, like Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars universe has always been really kind of didn't know what it wanted to be. In my opinion, it's like well, we've we've got to stick to the main. It's like, but you don't. So. Yeah, it's hard for me to because I played some other Star Wars game as well that I played to completion. I'm trying to remember, maybe it was Battlefront. Um, but yeah, like it's just hard for me to know like what a, what's going to be a good Star Wars game and what's not. It's it's hard to figure. Yes, it out me. I'll me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the good ones are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Squadrons really good, especially if you like the dogfighting stuff. It's actually like, really well done, and you can play the whole game in VR, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. 
Well, there you go. All right, what you got? Hit me with the list. All right. So I've been watching a lot of content as I've gone through my my Plex list and been like, oh, I've been watching a lot of stuff. So I'll start with television first, and then I'll move over to movies. So I I watched the second season of of White Lotus. Mm -hmm. You you don't know anything about White Lotus? You're not aware of this? I, I know what it is, yeah. People always talk about it. It sounds like it's uh, it's like a comedy, right? But it's uh, it's, it's I would I would argue it's like a dark comedy in a way. It's like in a different Some, hotel, somebody. and somebody dies, and then yep. the whole season is trying to explain this. So the first season was a lot more about like money and like financial stuff. This next season is a lot more like relationships and sexual issues and things. Hmm. It's fine. I I like the first season better. Um, a lot of people really, I mean, cause anytime you put salacious stuff in here and you got Aubrey Plaza and you got one of the, the one of the dudes that looks like a Franco, even though he's not a Franco, <laughs> I never know what this dude's name is. He looks like a Franco, but he's not. Um, oh, it's so not yeah, a, like, it's not an actual Franco. No, it's not an actual Franco. His name is Theo James, but oh, he sure, looks like okay. one yeah. of the Francos, right? If you look yeah, at guess, him, you go, yeah. that's, a, that's a Franco. But it's like not. if, if the two kind of really, if the two got a little bit more cut and cleaned up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like it's a different cast every time. Jennifer Coolidge is the is the constant in this. She plays the same character in both seasons. Um, it's good if you like the first season. You should probably watch this one. Um, but like it's sort of this. I think this is an Apple TV show, right? Like a lot of stuff that I'm watching. Apple TV to me. Oh no, sorry, it's HBO. Um, but I was gonna say HBO and Apple TV to me are consistently making the best like long series television shows like it's pretty by far and away like every once in a while hulu or one of these other stations will have something that's interesting but anytime hbo makes something it's gonna be good so white lotus go watch it i've watched it it's all right don't want to spoil it but i it's worth watching if you watch the first one i don't think it's as good as the first season second thing that i've been watching is this is the last season of succession as well now this show to me is this show to me is one of the best things ever created on television it's so ridiculous and hilarious and and well written all at the same time (laughs) this show is a mess and it's hilariously a mess um so yeah if you're already watching succession and to get someone on the podcast that's actually watching this so i can actually have like deeper conversations about it because succession's great it's like it's hard to explain it if you don't know what this is like if you if you're just kind of generally aware of it but like there's like deep cuts in this that are just uproariously funny so I've been watching that. Well, it's based two, on the uh, it's based on the Murdoch thing, right? Like it is. The I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. like you can kind of see, like, yeah, like he's supposed to be Rupert Murdoch. Like he's got mm-hmm. these kids, and the kids are kind of a mess. But like the dialogue back and forth is it's some of the best writing I think I've ever seen. Like it's so weirdly, deeply cunning in ways that you're like, oh, this is supposed to be funny, but you're like, oh wow, that was actually really. That was really crazy what he just said. Like, it's got so many other things that tie together to this. Like, there's a reason why this show was loved. Like, this is one of the most popular HBO shows ever, I think. Like, this show was wildly popular. Yeah. The next thing that I've been watching, and this is as of yesterday, right? So there's two things I started watching yesterday. I started watching Beef. Are you aware of what Uh, Beef is? No. I think I've heard of it for the first time. But tell tell me about it. What is it? So I think this just came out April 6th. So what? A couple days ago. All right. Yeah, a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. So it's got it's got Stephen Yuen in it. It's got Ali Wong in it. It's got David Cho in it. Oh shit! And so okay. it's basically this comedy series where there's like the, it starts off with this road rage incident 
where it's like it's these two people who don't know each other and there's this massive road rage things that happened in the beginning be, that happens in the beginning in the beginning of it and then it just keeps going like it keeps escalating because they're like constantly trying to kind of get back at the other person as they slowly find out who they are and their lives start to intertwine it's really good i wasn't expect i was expecting for you to get kind of like a quirky comedy but it's really i i would highly recommend watching this i think it's really good um for a Netflix show, is this A24's first show? Yes, I think it is. I think this is, you know, A24, the now the the darling of Hollywood for making independent movies that make you a bunch of money and win awards. Yeah. Um, I think this is their first television series. And again, you watch it, you go, This is this something that someone that A24 would go, Yeah, it's interesting. Let's let's produce this. Um this this is slowly becoming one of the best things I've seen in a long time. It's really good. It's weird, mm. but it's really good. All right. Last thing that I started watching. I've watched the first episode of this. It's a show called Jury Duty. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I just want to read the I want to read the synopsis for the show, and then I'm happy to come back with with more of what's happening. Because I only watched the first episode. I think they released four episodes at once this weekend. It's on a very obscure channel. <laughs> um, uh, it's like free part? free something. I'm trying to find it. Jury Duty TV series 2023. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the uh, the synopsis. Let me see if I can just get it on Plex. Give me two seconds. I'm going to get the synopsis of the show. Is this a reality show? So it it is, but it isn't. So okay. Jury Duty. It follows the workings of an American jury trial through the eyes of Ronald Gladden, a juror who is unaware the entire case is fake. Everyone except him is an actor, and everything that happens is carefully planned. So there's one guy who doesn't know that this is like a this is like a it's like a mockumentary kind of about jury duty. There's one guy who thinks this is real, who actually thinks he's on jury duty. And it's got James Mardson in it. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's like a real actor and he plays himself. And he's oh. kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a famous guy and I don't know what I'm doing here. And so like the guy kind of totally buys that like James Mardson is in this jury duty thing with him. It's the first episode is great. I wasn't excited. This is Alice asked me to download this. Started watching the first episode. I'm like, oh wow, this is actually really clever. So yeah, so jury duty. It's it's out as of a couple days ago. So if you have access to Freebie, <laughs> that's what this is on. <laughs> I don't know what Freebie is, but it just shows you where we are. We're making a lot of a uh, lot of weird streaming. That's on Amazon. Amazon Freebie. So maybe it's maybe it's free Amazon, on Amazon. Uh, I don't freebie. know. I don't know. I don't know what Freebie is. Well, um, you're watching it. I mean, you know, you know what it is. I am watching it. I'm watching. Yeah, it's on Amazon. The Amazon has okay. an app called Freebie. Freebie from Amazon is a premium Why? free streaming service. <laughs> Watch thousands of hit movie shows, Freebie originals, and live 24-7 entertainment channels to match your mood. So if you can figure out how to get Freebie on any of your devices, <laughs> watch Jury Duty. Okay. All righty. Um, films. I'll go through this quickly. No rush. Did I? Did I? I'm trying to figure out. Did I? Last time we talked, did I, we talk about? Um, did I talk about the uh, um, Woman King? I don't think so. Because I feel like we talked about RRR last time, and that was all we talked about. Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we didn't talk about Woman King. So yeah, okay. let's, let's start there. So watch the Woman King. Right. This movie's not. It's from last year. Yeah, looked um, good. It's got Angela Davis in it. It's got John Boyega that I didn't realize was John Boyega when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. 
good action film. It's good to see a bunch of black people making action movies. Um, it's about basically slave trade and an African kingdom that is giving away people for for slavery, and this all woman army that this king has that is going to go take back the you know you know go free the slaves. It's great. Angela Davis is great. Or sorry, and I keep saying Angela Davis. It's Viola Davis. How dare me? Um, mashing up uh, Angela Bassett and Viola yeah, Davis. Sorry, just mash those two together. I should be ashamed of myself after this uh-huh. very pro-black podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Vi- Viola Davis, give Davis, the card back. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great movie. Um, for an action movie, right? Like it's, it's a little bit popcorn. It's the story isn't completely cohesive, but it's worth watching just for watching a bunch of people run around like gladiators. So. Watch that. Uh, that sounds cool. Watch the movie called Tar. Yeah. Which might be one of the most pretentious things I've watched in the last couple of months. It's got Kate Blanchett yeah, in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. People uh, people were have an Oscar buzz around it. It was yeah. also Tar, not a real person. Bait. Oscar bait is what this is. Was it good? Bait. And um, yeah, I thought there was some. Uh, I liked the way it was filmed. Didn't like the story. Thought it was pretentious. A lot of exposition about really simple things. We get it. Your classical music music director or a composer or whatever it is, the maestro, the dude with the or the woman with the baton. It's fine. Have you seen the trailer for that thing? Yes, I, I have. Know you would have with just that her has. smoking. Yes, again, it's, it's weird. It's, it's it's pretentious. It's Oscar bait, and I'm glad it didn't win anything. <laughs> I don't know well, if when it, it came out. I was thinking like, is Am I supposed to know who that is or what that means? And the answer is no. <laughs> no. No. But they made it like this is like, oh, this is, we're going to explain classical music and its depthness. And it's like, Meh, boring movie. Wow. Um, what so if yeah. I like classical music and its depthness? I don't think you'll like it. I think you'll find it. I think you'll find it pretentious as well. So okay, I do not recommend this movie. <laughs> okay. See it if you want to go watch someone be pretentious in filmmaking. Okay. We talked about the menu, didn't we? <laughs> I feel like we talked about the menu. Uh, no, I don't think we did. Maybe. I don't remember. So saw the it's menu. So this was a Greg recommendation, actually. Okay, yeah. This also has uh, old Anna Taylor-Joy in it. Ray Fiennes. It's got Ralph. Cook. Yeah, it's good. Cooking stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This is not your thing. <laughs> no. You shouldn't watch this. Um, But again, I think if you enjoy people making satirical films about the pretentiousness of people that like to go to fancy restaurants and pretend like they're foodies. I think you'll mm-hmm. like it. Let's take a sidebar here. Yeah. When I was in San Francisco, I went to a 14 course Michelin star restaurant. Ex- and that's what this is exactly what yes. this movie is making fun of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was pretty cool though. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I mean, this thing seemed cool until weird stuff started happening. But yeah, like it's kind of it's this carefully planned kind of, you know, takedown of higher society by this chef as he invites them to his pre- prestigious restaurant. Um, good watch. Not that long of a film. If you get grossed out easily, I recommend you don't watch this because it's pretty. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, few more films. Watch Cocaine Bear. Did you see in Co- Did you see the Cocaine Bear? No, you've not seen this film. No, I know about it. Yes, I'm. I, it's one of the movies that we worked on. Hmm. It's ridiculous. It's kind of what it should be. I would say it's slightly better than Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> right? Okay, I, it's a similar that... thing, right? You got an animal. You've got a ridiculous situation. You've got cocaine and a bear. You got snakes on a plane. 
to me, they sit in the same universe of let's make a quirky movie about an unrealistic scenario about animals being in a situation that they shouldn't be in. Yeah. And um, the real bad guys are the, are the people. The real bad guys are the people in the environment around us. So mm-hmm. it's fine. It was an enjoyable, fun watch. I wouldn't watch it again. Once was enough. I saw Creed 3 in the movie theater. Oh, me too. We haven't talked about this, right? Yeah. Creed 3. So let's get into this. We, we, yeah. we, we might even well, spoil is, this a little bit. Is there anything else before we get Oh, yes. Creed there's 3? two more things I want to talk about, and then, then we'll get to Creed. I watched Inside. Are you aware of this film? It's a Willem Dafoe joint. <laughs> That's not based on the game of the same name, right? No. I don't think so. So I'm going to read it. His name is Nemo, and he's, he's a high-end art thief. And he gets trapped in a New York penthouse after his heist doesn't go as planned. Locked inside with nothing but priceless works of art, he must use all of his cunning invention to survive. So basically, the movie starts off with he's an art thief and he's inside of this expensive apartment. Something happens. The place locks down. He can't get out. Uh And that's the film. Willem Dafoe doesn't. I mean, it's pretty much it might as well be a silent film. He talks a little bit. But there's no other characters. There. There's some people through a security cam that he watches for some inexplicable reason. And yeah. that's it. That's sounds the like film. A, sounds like a COVID movie. Did uh, Did you like it? Ah, I, the no. ending is awful. And oh. I think you'll see the bad ratings because the ending is really stupid. The bad <laughs> ending. Um, but I, I like the premise of it. The premise was interesting. Like, kind of, you know, it's one of those movies where it's like, Someone wrote the script, and you immediately start thinking about what you would do, which makes it an interesting movie, even though mm-hmm. the actual movie itself, how it, how it, you know, how it eventuates at the end, isn't as interesting as all the scenarios you're coming up with in your head. There's books, there's books like that as well, right? Where you're like, oh yeah, the premise of this book is really interesting, and you start to apply it to your own situation. But then, as you're actually reading the book or watching the movie, you're like, oh, this isn't as cool as I thought it would be. So yeah. It's fine. I think if you liked bottle movies, <laughs> like bottle episodes and TV shows where you're trapped in a room, mm-hmm. if you like bottle movies and you like sort of psychological, like you know, films. yeah, it's a little bit like that. Now, there's no other voice. There's not Keith or Sutherland on the other end of the phone booth. It's just mm-hmm. you. Um, so, yeah, I, I was I would. It's not very long. It's worth watching if you like this kind of film and if you like watching Willem Dafoe be Willem Dafoe. Last movie okay. before I get to Creed is Tetris. I have not watched this yet. I want, I'm going to. Okay. How is it? Um, it's good. I liked it. It's a good story. I think uh, Taron Egerton, he obviously listens to Leonardo DiCaprio of how to do an American accent because it just sounds like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> doing this movie is what it sounds like. That works. Um, you're like, oh, his British accent. He's just playing Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, it's good. I don't want to spoil it for you. I like the story of it. Um, it's it's based on a true story, but I thought the pacing of it was pretty good. I thought the story was pretty good. Obviously, of another video game movie that's not really about the game because you can't really make a game about Tetris. I mean, you can, but this is the movie about the game about Tetris. So mm-hmm. it's good. I liked it. It's a bit like watching, um, like it's kind of like in the style of The Big Short or like Wolf of Wall Street, where you kind of follow on one guy. And they're kind of doing stuff, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? And we got to go make this deal, and let's go talk to this guy, and let's go convince them. It's got similar pacing to that, mm. um, obviously, but the content is about Tetris. So it's not about okay. financial crimes. It's just about, it's a bit of a Cold War drama, to be honest, um, of how do you get something between two, three totally different cultures. You got Japan, you got Russia, and you got, you got the UK, 
and they're all kind of trying to wheel and deal of how to get this thing to become something because it's a cult classic. Um, that's kind of the main premise of the movie, but I won't spoil it. It's good. Okay. All righty. That's it. That's all my film watching in the last month, except for Creed 3 that I saw all in right. the movie theater. I'm sitting in the movie with Brandon, who is my friend and soon to be Jason's friend. Me and him went and watched this film together. Okay. All right. So no spoilers. No spoilers. And then we'll spoil it. What did you think of the movie? Jonathan Majors is jacked. <laughs> yeah. He's jacked. He's huge. Yeah. It's a big He's dude. A giant human being. Um, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked the second one more. Yeah. I thought this one, the end wasn't as good as I was hoping for, but the story was good. This is like the first one of these movies where the story is very, it outweighs the boxing by a lot. Where normally you could be like, ah, oh, the boxing, even though if it's a little jokey in the training, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a Rocky movie. It's supposed to make you want to get to the gym. It's going to, you know, it's going to make you want to, you know, go work out the next day. This one is a good story. Um, yeah. I thought the story of kind of, you know, what happens when, you know, someone that you've not seen in a very long time comes back into your life and all the emotions and things that that brings up when you when your life is something totally different now. And this other person who remembers everything the way that it was. So, yeah, I I liked it. I thought it was really well done. I was just a little underwhelmed by the actual boxing part of the movie. But I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's hard for me to be like, is that good or bad? I don't know. It's kind of Michael B. Jordan kind of evolved this movie into a bit more of a drama anime than he did a boxing movie. And I don't know if it's a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I thought the. um, It's funny. I I mean, it kind of says. I don't know what that says that I saw the movie and don't even remember seeing it <laughs> when I was going through what I've seen. But yeah. then again, I don't even remember the last time we recorded. So, um, the, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, no now, but I'm saying before we started. So the, uh, but the movie itself, I had a good time. I thought it was, um, I thought it was well done. And especially for Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, I thought Jonathan Majors as a, as a villain was, uh, it was like it's an good. antagonist was pretty good. There That's was some good. weirdness in it as far as like motivations and some of the stuff that they were getting at with Jonathan Majors didn't quite make much sense but I think that goes into the anime style but when it came to the two of them together like them interacting were like some of the best moments of the movie not so much the boxing itself which was boxing in this movie I mean I guess it usually is the case for Rocky movies where it's like a means to an end and this it was, one, it's like, yo, man, you don't understand my feelings. All right, well, I'm going to beat the shit out of you until yeah, you do. All it was, right, again, then we're good. It was, <laughs> it, it, was, it was sort of, I think, I'm, I don't know if I made this joke before the podcast or after, or like during the podcast, but it just like, it's like these two guys just needed to go to therapy. Yep. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's what this was. This movie is an hour and a half of two people who very clearly need to go to therapy just to talk about, you know, their feelings and, and how, life is, how life has turned out for them. They just need therapy. Instead, it turns into an hour and a half of this big boxing fight which is like yeah all right fair enough <laughs> it's like as men that's maybe how you deal with things you deal with things through the boxing ring but instead you know that's yeah so that's i'm, I'm with you like some of the motivations and stuff is weird but look i we bring up the anime thing because michael b jordan has talked about that multiple times you hear him talk about his directorial debut of like that's what a lot of his influences are for some of this so which for this why not right why not i agree <laughs> 
It makes perfect sense. I mean, as long as he's not throwing fireballs. But you know what? At that point, again, (laughs) why not? Yeah. But again, I thought the second movie, for me, was a lot more in the Rocky style of film. Oh, yeah. This very clearly was something different. And I'm for it. Now, for me, I think the clear, and maybe we'll get into the spoiler part of this, but I see where this is going next. It's very clear where this is going next. Um, But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely think if you're a fan of the first and second movie, definitely go see this. But I would even say if you haven't seen those movies, it's still worth seeing because you're seeing two really pretty good actors. One who's going to be up and coming as long as he can stay out of trouble. Hmm. Um, I, I think you're seeing where they, where Michael B. Jordan is moving into production and directing. And Jonathan Majors is becoming a star. And it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to bring him back uh no no need i I don't think so i think you bring him in and you and you leave him out it's it story's done it's it's you know but i i'll let's talk about where i think this is going because i think michael b jordan is done boxing in in this in these series as well i think he's finished oh i don't i don't think so i I do i I do look at how much they got out of rocky in those movies oh 100 percent. but like can we i mean remember balboa yeah, let's spoil it because in Balboa, yeah. all right, we'll move to spoilers. Basically, this will be the last thing we'll talk about that one on the podcast. Yeah. So if you're done, you're done. Bye. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> In uh, Rocky Balboa, after Rocky, like it's well after he's retired and he retired so many times. So that's why I yes. don't think it matters. It's just like, all right, well, I guess he's going to fight again. Well, well look, I'll, I'll tell you why it does matter is because Michael B. Jordan retired in this movie. He is he's expedited. The fact that I don't think he wants to do this this way, right? He's taken over directing of this, mm-hmm. right? Like the writing and stuff is still Sylvester Stallone, even though he's kind of been like, mm, I'm not going to keep showing up no, in these movies. But he did Michael, not in this one. No, no, no. They had falling out for this movie. Oh, but I, th- I thought he was, he got writing credits on the film. Maybe, but. Him, the, Ryan Coogler. There's, yeah, like he's gotten writing yeah, credits, which he's, means he he's was part out. of the script, but he's out. Mm-hmm. He's out. No, 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 no. I think it was it was some sort of disagreement or something. You can still get a credit, ready credit. Look, man, they sure. in um in that movie, that Freddie Mercury movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. You know who has directing credit for that? Brian Singer. Yeah, you know who didn't sure. actually direct that movie? <laughs> Brian Singer. Right, but again, but like writing credit means at some point you were involved in this film. Maybe they scrubbed everything sure. out of it early on. You, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, and it's his characters. That's yes. for sure. But again, but I, he, that's why I think I don't think is, this movie went the way he wanted it to. No, but all. that's my point is I think they're moving away. I think Michael B. Jordan is the last time you see him in a ring for these movies as a boxer. They are going to expedite this two ways. Victor Drago at some point is going to get his own series. It's coming. So here's what he said. Well, they've already announced that. that that's yeah, already that's, happening. That's so here we go. That's On February coming. 2nd, 2020, uh, 2023. Jordan confirmed that a fourth Creed film was happening for sure, and that spinoffs were also being considered. When asked about the future of Creed movies in the franchise, an interview with Screed ran plus, Jordan said, but you will see the Creed verse continue to grow and expand. I think that we invested in some really interesting characters that I think a lot of people were responding to. I have to give a political answer to that. There's there's going to be more of the Creed family. There's going to be more of some of the characters that you love from this movie. I just don't know what package it's going to be in yet. There's going to be a bunch of children fighting in the next movie. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> That's, is that what you think is going to happen? No. What's going to happen? Or Jonathan Majors becomes the guy. Michael B. Jordan is going to become what Rocky was to Creed. 
and his daughter, they will expedite that and she will become the next Creed. It's very it's obvious be, to me. It's going to be like Karate Kid style. They're gonna it's going to be kids. like Million Dollar Baby is what it's going to be like. Oh, shit. They're going to kill her? I don't think they're going to kill her, but I think it's 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 along that theme of we're going to get a woman boxer. We're going to put her father as her trainer, and we're going to continue the family dynamic of the story of someone with a disability who can overcome those disabilities and become a world champion in, in this. Because, again, the Rocky movies... Like it doesn't like it doesn't really have anything that it's about overcoming adversity. It's about rising to the challenge and being the underdog. I, he's he's going to be done putting on boxing gloves for this stuff. He's going to become this coach and this trainer the way that they tried to make it in this film. So for me, and look, as someone who wants to be a director, that's a smart way to do this. I don't have to be ripped for this thing anymore. I don't have to sit here and become a super, you know, a cartoon superhero. I can just be I can be the guy who's who's training my daughter how to become a great boxer. And continue the Creed family name. That's where this is going. And I think you'll get the Drago side on the other end. If you want another family. This is going to turn into the family stories of father and son, father and daughter. That's totally where this is going. And to me, it's completely obvious. So, yeah, there's going to be a Creed 4. I would be surprised if he's boxing in it. I, I, yeah. Again, I, I'm not going to say I think no, you're gonna get, but I would I be think surprised. You get at least, I think you get at least one more movie with him boxing. At maybe because because maybe it's the thing of you know he decides to come back and it's the you know don't die in the ring like your father did type of thing right like that's a storyline you can do for one more movie of you're putting your life on the line this is how your dad died get out while you still can but he was done in this movie this movie he basically retired then the movie he goes i'm done yeah but he was retired and then at his, the beginning and, of the movie <laughs> yeah but, but the point is the only reason why he came back because it wasn't even he wasn't even trying to be, he was trying to be a promoter he was trying to be don king he was trying to get the the boxer that was under his thing to fight you know to fight drago like it's it's clear that i think michael b jordan in writing this thing goes how do i write myself out of having to be ripped and do all this hard training as i'm entering my mid-30s where Jonathan Majors, he's like, all right, I gotta, I'm already big for for this Marvel Universe thing I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'll do a Creed movie. Why not? Seems cool. But I, I, I just don't see Michael B. Jordan continuing to be in this level of shape when he doesn't have to be. There's an easy transition for this thing. You can age this movie by five years and have his daughter be 15, 16. It's a boxing star. Easy. You can do High that. High school boxing. Easy, or, or what is it? It's like junior, you know junior golden glove style boxing that's got a big following anyways right and you get more women into the sport and it's less about ripped dudes and you get that through the drago storyline but in this you get more father and son or sorry you know um father and father and daughter wow. story yeah. just like on the other end you get father and son with drago like I, to me it's it's easy i think you can write four four movies with just those two themes easily it's about family it's like Fast and Furious. Yeah, pretty much. Then you have a team up get... where they fight a bunch of people. This movie was about this movie was about family, but family not in blood family, but family of hey, you know, I took the fall for this thing that we both are responsible for, and you feel the guilt for hey, was this my fault? And again, I the best part of this movie from the boxing standpoint was at the end when the crowd disappears, and it's just the two of them fighting. But that's why I was disappointed because I'm like, oh, that's actually really cool. Of like, this has nothing to do with the crowd. This is about these two, these two dudes doing. Yeah, I was curious to know together. what you what you thought about that. What I, you thought about I, that? I part. liked it. What I didn't like was then all of a sudden it fast forward to the twelfth round. <laughs> I was like, well, wait, 
what happened to yeah. the rest of it? They they just missed all of the best parts of what makes a Rocky movie a Rocky movie. They fast forwarded through it, and that's what I didn't like because the first couple rounds, like, all right, we're getting it. You know, you start getting back in your seat, and you're like, all right, we're getting into it. And then the screen, and then everything goes, you know, white, and it's like it's just silence, and it's just the two of them fighting. And you're like, okay, it's very clear that this is showing sort of like this is not about anybody else except for the two of us. And you kind of lock in that way. You're like, okay, this is a clever way of showing that this isn't about the stars and the lights and the glamour and stuff. It's about two friends trying to figure out the differences. And then as soon as it was started over, I was like, all right, good. This is, you know, sure. Six, seven round. But they're like, final round. You're like, whoa, really? And then he knocks him out. And then it's just like, okay, you very clearly just wanted to wrap this thing up. And that's what I didn't like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I did like the um, the dynamic between the two, though. That was pretty good. But it just became a little weird. Like, I didn't really understand where. Like, the, I thought John the Majors is great. Like, he, as an actor, he's just incredible. And he's just great to watch on screen. But the things he had to say and do were really bizarre. Like, yeah. when that whole sequence on the beach or something, when he goes to Bye. show up and then he's got a gun and you're like, but what? What, You're like, what's, what's the motivation the, other than yeah, the show what's the, that what's the yeah. goal? He did the thing. Aren't we good? He got the chance to do the thing. He did the thing. He did it dirty. Yeah, I guess. And then that was the problem. But I, I guess my thing is, did he find did he only out? do two fights? He just did that one fight. Yeah. But he did, did he the other find, thing. Did he find out that he was responsible for Drago's hand? Before oh, we went know. to the beach, that's what I can't remember. As you're bringing that up, because I think he might have found out by looking at footage or something and being like, "Wait a minute, no, that's the, the guy that was at the fight." Showed him that picture or something, but I think that was I thought that was after the fact. But the other thing is that no, that was before he went he... to the beach. I think he saw the pictures, and then his mom was like, "I told you this is who he was." He then sees it and then goes to the beach to confront him about it. I think. Got it. It's been a, it's been a was, month since I've seen this, but I think. But that's what was what the deal with? Um, but what when he's like, "Oh, I'm coming for everything." I'm like, "Uh, what does that mean?" Well, to, to you, me, I got that of going him telling you are living my life. Yeah, I'm coming for everything that you have because that belongs to me. And but because of you, he just started shit talking him, and that was. <laughs> But that's, I guess that's my, like, I, I was able to put it together a little bit more. All right. It's a little yeah, bit more kinda... of like, hey, I went to jail for you, really. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he didn't, right? That's kind of the point of, like, you know, Felicia right. Rasad exactly. trying to tell him, yeah. like, uh-huh. this had nothing to do, this wasn't you. Like, this was, he made his own choices. He had the gun. He was the reason why he's in jail, not you. You're not responsible for what he's done. But obviously, he felt responsible. And so that's what he kind of kept using, you know, you're living my life when the whole time I was in prison and I was writing you, you didn't write me back. I spent all these years thinking about how I would come someday and take my life back. So I got that point. That point was pretty obvious to me. All right. But I, to me, but again, like I'm with you, like it's a little like it was, they just, it just felt like they sped through some stuff where it was like, okay, yeah, the guy gets the shot. He's kind of living this humble life, but he's a little dirty, right? Because he's just, he's been in prison a little while, so fair enough, right? Like, maybe he doesn't, he's not living by the rules that the rest of us have lived by, whether it's in life or in this sport. But then you're right. Like, the beach stuff was just like, it easily could have been this same confrontation without kind of overplaying, like, we get it. Like, I understand. Yeah, like it just turns into like, a supervillain for no reason. He, exactly. For like they, a moment. They it was weird. super supervillain 
immediately when I'm like, just watching the way that he fought was super villainish of just like, I'll do anything I have to, to get this life. And they could have yeah. done that without it being so cartoonish. And, and I'd argue even stereotypical in a way of like, he could have easily been the baddest guy on the planet without stereotypically kind of living this South LA, what you could say hood lifestyle. Like he didn't have to do that. He could have easily just been like, I'm getting all the stuff that you, that you have. I'm doing it my way, not your way. And I'm going to do it as fast as possible. That enough made him a villain. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to remember if whether or not that was before or after. Cause I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was before that he finds out. And then he goes and confronts him after she shows him the letters and the photos that goes, I told you this is who he was, and here's all the proof that I should have given you beforehand before you gave him a shot. Let's see. Following the match, an uneasy uneasy Donnie visits Marianne, who shows him letters Dame had written to Donnie while in prison that she kept from him, believing he was a bad influence. One letter showed a picture. Donnie confronts him. Dame confesses that he... He manipulated him into getting his title shot. Donnie's able to. Yeah. So I guess it was between those yeah. two. Maybe. I thought it was that day. I thought it was like the night of. Yeah, it was. the. I think he lost. The the guy lost the fight. Right. Like he, he wins. Jonathan Majors wins. Mm-hmm. He goes to he goes to his mom's house afterwards because he's driving around and he's like, oh, man, what have I just done? And then she shows him the letters. And then he goes and confronts him on the beach. I think all that happens on the same night. Because then yep. he's got the belt on the beach because he just won. And so, yeah, it happens very quickly. But I'm pretty sure all that stuff is in the same. I'm kind of fl- fl- I'm flipping through the movie now. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is what happens. So right after the fight, he's driving. He still has the, the suit on. He's, she shows him all the letters. And he's like, why did you hide this from me? And then it's he goes rude. to the beach. It's a rude, yeah. it's a rude move. Yeah, now they're on the beach, and then Mm -hmm. he comes back, and he's drinking the next morning, and then wife comes in and goes, you got to tell me what happened between the two of you, and he gets mad, and the daughter kind of starts to cry, and That was ridiculous, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, there's a lot of, like, anime cartoon stuff in it, but, like, like, even even the motivation, like, there just wasn't enough Rocky in it. There was a lot of exposition and story. But like when it came to like the fighting and the training montage, like that stuff just didn't have as much of an impact. But the movie wasn't about that stuff. Like to me, it's very clear that Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Cougar looked at this and said, and maybe this is why Sylvester Stallone is not happy, right? Because he's going, no, oh, no, the movie's not about this stuff. The movie's about the the training and the montages and the and the uplifting and the underdog. Where this isn't really an underdog story at all. It's like the opposite of all the other Rocky movies, right? Because all the other Rocky movies are underdog stories. And I'd argue even with this, he's not really the underdog. This movie's got nothing to do with the underdog is on the other side. And so, yeah, maybe he's the underdog because, oh, he's old and he's, but he was still younger than him. They're both old. And he was very clearly the better fighter over all this time. So, like, it didn't, you didn't get that sense of, like, overwhelming, like, you did it. You overcame adversity. You fixed it. Like, you just didn't feel that the way that you should have, in my opinion. Sure. Um, the other interesting thing is if you watch the trailer, they took out a scene where he is, where Michael B. Jordan is in prison. Oh. And his wife and his daughter come to see him, which is very clearly like a dream or a flashback. That's not in the movie. Or he does some shit that gets him in prison. Whatever. Right? There, was something, there was some storyline of this. 
that that they took out of this. So it's very clear that like there was some editing and some and some moving around of this thing. Um, but I liked it still. I'm trying to see if I can find it in the trailer. Because, yeah, there's a scene where he's specifically like sitting in prison and it looks like it's almost like a flashback or a something. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's clear to me that it's it's clear to me that. Yeah, here it is. I'll show you the picture. I'll take a picture of it from the video. It's in a minute 55 of the of the original Creed trailer. All right. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Here we go. Oh yeah, they're like in the yeah. they're like in the prison uh, lunchroom it's like, or something. Or yeah, the dining it's like hall. in the group home, and he's sitting there with. It's very yeah, clear. And they're cheering that he's, him on. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like it's very clearly uh, it's clearly a flashback or a if I'm in the life that you know this is the life that could have been me, and it was said it was him. So like there was more. They worked on that part of that story for a long time. I really believe that boxing was totally secondary to all of this. Which, Why are they smiling? <laughs> I want to see this cut scene. I want to know what it was. Yeah. So like I, I noticed that because I was waiting for that in the film. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there, maybe there's some dark road that he goes down of like this should have been like, my or life. Or he gets and framed. Or yeah, or yeah, he gets framed and he goes to prison because he kills a man. Whatever, right? Like it's just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but it's Damn. just it's just clear kind of the way Fast and the Furious is no longer about driving, that these movies may no longer become about boxing. But they've never really been about it, right? Like it's always been about the the relationships are always what makes it interesting. Yes. Like that's it's, why you root for Rocky and all these things. It's the it's the motivation that gets him to fight. Like the, it's always a culmination of things. Yeah, but this I could so argue it, that like you weren't necessarily really rooting. But the fight for, was so rushed at the end. I get yeah. like that's why. But it were feels you really rooting cheaper. for Creed to win? Um, yeah, I guess. He's I mean, the guy. I, but that's my point. Like the uh, the other ones, you're very clearly rooting for Rocky or for Creed or for whoever to win, right? Because you're like, you're not supposed to win. I didn't feel that at the end of this. They didn't make Jonathan Majors a a, a deep enough villain for me to really root against him. Because I'm like, why well, right. can't I understand and the ways, both sides? <laughs> true, like, but I think I think the way they did it, and that was probably the biggest issue with the movie, is that they tried to almost overcompensate for the fact they're like, we need to make this guy a villain, yes. so we're gonna ratchet up some of these wacky ass scenes. To make him appear more of a villain than he yeah. really is. Yeah, when I'd argue, and I'm that's, like, that's I think he's the not, biggest issue with a, the movie. He's a villain, but yeah, he's not because he nails everything he does. And that yes. that last scene with them talking in the locker room is so good. Like it's so good. Yeah. Anytime the I, two are talking and having conversations, I'm like, can I just get like two hours of this of these guys just having a conversation? Yeah. This is now, the kind of movie I'm looking for. Personally, what I if if you could if I could edit this film, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I would have been in charge of this. It's very clearly why I'm not I'm not a director. I'm not going to make Michael B. Jordan money. But if no, someone said, right. hey, we want you to add attitude. 15 minutes to this film, I would have had maybe a bit more montage of Jonathan Majors going through other boxers. Yes. Like showing him rise to a level that makes him the super villain where he's wildly popular, but he's also super dirty. And yeah. it's like doing that through the, you know, because they have like the ESPN clips and stuff to kind of make it feel like, oh, we're talking about boxing of being like this guy has overtaken the sport as a 40 year old or however old he's supposed to be in the movie, a mid 30s, 40 year old guy. And he's super dirty, but he's changing the game and he's hurting people out there. And it's not just one guy. He's hurt. He's hurt five, six, seven people. And the only person who could put an end to this is Adonis Creed. Right. right. That, that to would, me. Yeah. You could have made it very easily as well of just make this like he's going like you can't stand by as your friend that you've created starts hurting people 
not just one person, but people, right. right? To make it seem like it's bigger than him. But just hurting the one guy, I'm like, eh, it's one fight. Yeah. Right? And yeah. show like yeah. at least what he does with the belt. Right. And, and then make, to show and, why he needs to be taken down a notch. And I'd argue, even throw a little bit of clubber laying in there, like like that style, right? Where it's like loudly trash talking, deeply personal trash talking Adonis to a level where it's like, oh no, this guy's not only is he winning, he's a jerk. And he's getting deeply personal to a point where it's like you have to get back into this fight to put an end to this monster that you created. I think you could have done that very easily with an extra 15 minutes and no one would have no one would have argued. You could have gotten more range out of Jonathan Majors. You could have gotten a little bit more acting of him, not just being the the weird kind of I've been in prison too long guy, but him openly showing you all of this is mine and I'm going to kill everyone who's in my way would have made a better. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think also it felt kind of cheap with the friend from prison. Yeah. I thought that kind of thing was a little wacky, but again, I think as a means to an end, it was you know, it was a pretty breezy, and fun look, romp overall. Yeah, and look, and there's lots of similarities to Tyson with Jonathan mm-hmm. Majors that they could have played on as well, right? Because Tyson had a moment where he was just so unhinged, and you're just like, oh, this dude's got problems, but he, every time he goes in the ring, he is just destroying people. So yeah, I, d- I wanted a little bit more out of I could have done a little less of Adonis and a little more of new character of Donnie to actually make you go, okay, he's got to go put an end to this. And now you're rooting for him because it seems like he's a massive underdog because this guy's become a monster very quickly. Yeah, totally. Great. Good movie. Go see it. Better yeah, the Mario movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for you to see the Mario movie. You got to see it. I will. Um, I'll quickly just say uh, game wise. I've, Really only played two, two games since we've last spoke. Um, oh, wait, did I talk about like a dragon Ishin? Did I talk about that? I uh, don't know. I don't think I did. So that game is a um, it's basically a spinoff of the Yakuza series mm-hmm. and it goes through feudal Japan. So it it's actually a PS3 game that they remastered okay. for the current gen system. So completely redone cutscenes, and they actually it's all like real characters from Japanese history from like a crazy ass time in Japanese history. Which I believe it was like the 18. Oh, wow. Like He's got a gun season. and a katana. Yeah. Which is like the best fighting style in the game. But it was like, it's about, it basically focuses around this guy, Sakamoto Ryoma. And this dude was a real guy in the 1860s. And that's who you play as. But the main character, all of the characters in the game are being portrayed by actual characters in the Yakuza franchise. So the guy Kiryu, who's in the first seven games, plays this dude. And various other characters show up along the way, like Majima and these other dudes. But they're playing these historical characters. And this game was great. It was a really interesting... We don't have... I guess now that World War II games don't happen as much... I'm trying to think. I, there's just not a lot of historical fiction in games, hmm. like as a narrative device, and I think it's really underserved as a as an idea. Which is fine. I'm all for original stuff, but I also this is just really cool, and it's a great way to expose a lot of interesting history to people. Because especially in a game like this style, I think most of the historic games are done like real time strategy games, like Age of Empires or Total yeah, War. Yeah, exactly. 
But a game like this. Or civilization, those types of things. Never seen it before. And it takes some serious liberties, obviously, in telling the story. But a lot of this stuff is true and represents some actual events from history. And it's just really fascinating. So the game itself definitely plays like a PS3 game, but the games are always great. It's just a fun beat em up. It's got the goofy Yakuza side, side stories where there's like various things where stuff like waiting online to try a dish and <laughs> a woman who talks too much and then will test you on the things that she said. It's like, there's a lot of weird shit like that. Um, but yeah, really, really fun time with that. Um, actually, on, the, on a similar note, they came out with MLB The Show, uh, the latest, the latest, and I started playing that today. Those are fun games. Not playing I don't, a show game in a long time. I don't like baseball. Bores me. Okay, trade up. Playing baseball games also bores me. And I don't know. Baseball games can be fun, but yeah, these you. games have depth. And I actually installed this game because they added a um, a whole component of this dedicated to the Negro Leagues as like oh, this cool. documentary. So I was like, I want to play this. And then basically you play as all of these characters, all of the, not characters, all these like actual players from the Negro Leagues. Huh. And then you get um, the head of the, what's that guy's name? Bob Dirkatch, I think his name. Did I make that up? It's the president of the Negro Leagues, president of the, uh, like the museum. Negro Leagues. I'm museum. not sure. Uh, it's uh, Bob Again, Kendrick. That's the guy's yeah. name. So the guy, Bob Kendrick it's like a documentary where he's just walking you through all of these players. So every oh, so player play has their the own players. section. Oh, yeah, exactly. Cool. So the first one you're playing a satchel page and you're, and you have to throw strikeouts. Dude, I played for like 15 minutes. I couldn't get one strikeout. I suck at this game. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could really do this as much as I huh. want to. I gave it a is good this shake out for PS4. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. Yeah I, might, yeah. I might buy this. Yeah. It's really, I love the fact that they did this. I just, huh, that's, that's actually really cool. It's just really That's hard. Awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is really awesome. And it got me to install it and it got me to try it. But man, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll give it another shot. But I it was just well, it look, was hard. I'll, if I buy it, I'll when did this game come out? Like uh, last week. No, no. The problem with buying sports games is that like if you wait like a month, you can get it for like half the price. Well, it's on Game Pass. So that's I how I got it. You I, is it in New Zealand yet? Game I'm gonna Pass. Assume so. New but Game Pass is—it's an Xbox thing, right? NPC. Oh, I don't know. Could you? Would you want to play this? This isn't a PC game, though. I guess, dude. I don't know. Who knows? I don't think this is on PC. Unlikely to come to PC due to controller layout. <laughs> oh, weird. That, that's dumb. Because you can plug a controller into. A we'll PC. be skipping anyway. PC this year too. So yeah, I'd have to buy it on ps4 but i if i give it okay. two months it'd be like half the price yeah but it's very cool i respect them for doing this i actually love that they did this and it's great i um i might have to give it another chance and just try to like turn all the sliders down to being easy and be like yeah just make it easy so you get to the story yeah yeah if that's what it, you're more just, interested in then yeah that is all i'm interested in yeah because that that whole thing is just really interesting again going back to that kind of that's not even fiction that's just straight up fact and yeah. it's it's like the first time these guys have ever been represented. It's probably like, I don't know how it, it's probably the most true to form way you'll ever experience a lot of these players because yeah. think about all the footage you have back in the day. That's not really, I mean, that's fine, but well, especially see that a lot of that history being so whitewashed where uh-huh. it's like actually getting someone who is, who's got the history of the Negro leagues to participate in making this game and these experiences. And again, a lot of base, if you're a true baseball fan and you're buying this game, it's a big part of the sport 
like it's a major part of the sport of the integration of African-American players into the major league baseball and what that's done for all the people who've come after. It's great. So yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. You've sold me on this game just from that, to be honest with you. Cause I'm like, yeah, I used to play this game, but it's a kind of a, I played it on Vita quite a bit yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you're just oh, like, it's yeah, on it's switch. A good it's actually on switch as well. Okay. Well, if it's on switch, then that's easy. I'm playing yeah. on switch. And uh, yeah. And uh, what's uh, and Bob Kendrick is just an awesome narrator. He delivers the story like so well. He's just yeah, great. Cool. Like it, well, it's really on, cool. Respect which are a little rough though. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be bad looking on Switch. But hey, man, what are you gonna do? I've got a PS4, uh, so maybe uh, PS4 is yeah. the. I mean, I guess the fact that I can play it portable though would be the benefit of the of the Switch. Yeah. Well, whichever. But yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I played through, and the last. I mean, I'm playing a little Octopath Traveler two on Switch very slowly, although I still really enjoy that game. But I also played through Soul Hackers 2, which is on Game Pass now. And that game really, uh, I I was quite smitten by that game. It was kind of released under the radar last year. It's it's another Shin Megami Tensei game, like Persona. But it's clearly the lowest budget one they've released. I'm about to say, I'm looking at this, I'm like, this It is. Let me tell you something. When the the dungeons go from docks to subway to subway to docks you're like uh, <laughs> yeah. uh this this didn't have a great budget but characters were great story was solid um the it, it was honestly like rpg comfort food for me because and i and i was just having a great time i sped up all the battles you're able to fast forward some of the slower points still got through the game i actually like did nearly 100 percent of all the side quests i think all the side quests and things like that game was very easy especially compared to something like persona 5 i'm not persona 5 but um uh shimigami tensei 5 like if that's the hardest game in the franchise this is probably the easiest one hmm. um but it was just good comfort food you know sit back listen to this podcast beat, beat up some monsters fuse some demons have a good time do i recommend it it's all right it's not the best rpg ever but i think if you're i'd actually say it's a good like training wheels style rpg for people that are kind of interested in mm. what that series has to offer as shimigami tensei as a whole but doesn't necessarily want to take on the hundred hour ride that is persona 5 yeah. this one if you do everything which i did is 40 hours which is good it's more it's a pretty good like yeah. totally so yeah so lacquers too it's definitely a thing that's it go cool. we're at the end we've done it um didn't hit two hours you said it was gonna be two hours you were wrong close but uh covered a lot of ground it's good stuff i didn't even talk about my trip to san francisco but that's okay don't need to talk about my trip it was great you ate a 14 course meal we talked about that oh my god that was good shit and the last two courses the two dessert courses they were like three desserts each so they just kept giving you shit and and as and at the end they gave uh they gave us a bottle of uh, vanilla extract which i've been using to make pancakes with there you go mm-hmm. yeah for 14 courses they should give you something at least they could do <laughs> blast confetti you made it <laughs> yeah it's the least you could do congrats yeah so yeah good times um good to be back things back to normal shaking it easy and yes yeah, so let's wrap this thing up uh he's abroad subscribe Review us, tell your friends, tell your family, you know, next time if you're going into overtime with some of these Passover satyrs, you're like, hey, I have another question. Who's who's uh, subscribed to He's Abroad? And then be like, what's that? And then you're like, let me tell you. Great podcast. 
with some with some cool guys. <laughs> anyway, till next time. Ah, uh, shuck it, duck it now.